we got it. Hey, friends, welcome to today's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Cheng, CFP Pro. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show and founder of the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. Thrilled to be here on amazing Monday, a holiday, with Kelly Mould, Senior VP and Wealth Sales Team Lead at Johnson Financial Group. Today's topic, estate planning and elder care and gray divorce topic that will appeal to almost everybody. So take it away, Miss Rita Chang. Well, thank you everyone for being here with us and welcome Kelly. Thank you so much, Rita, for having me. So today we are going to focus on the topic of gray divorce. So without further ado, what is gray divorce and how is it different than a typical divorce? Gray divorce is very interesting. This is a trend. Um, of increasing divorce amongst people 50 years or older, typically baby boomers, often in long-term marriages, not always, but very often. Um, and it's particularly interesting because while the divorce rate is, in, is um, actually declining across other segments, this particular age group has seen a steady increase over the last 10 years in the divorce rate. This is often triggered by a particular life event. We see it happen um, as the last child maybe moves out of the home or heads to college, or uh, if an individual retires. Um, there are often underlying causes that we see in, in other divorces of younger segments, such as infidelity, uh, alcohol or drug dependencies, any types of addictions, um, even domestic uh, violence. But in the case of a great divorce, there usually is some triggering event um, at this stage of life that has facilitated one of the parties to actually petition for the divorce. Um, it's complex and different from a typical divorce because uh, the two major issues in a divorce at a younger segment is, is most often custody and placement of the children and then the financial division of property. In a gray divorce, most of the time, the children are already at the age of majority, moved out of the home. So that particular complexity no longer is part of the issue. The bigger issue is how are these assets going to be divided and what does the financial future of these parties look like going forward? With baby boomers, we, we will often see that one of the parties spent their entire life in the home, caring for the children, caring for the home, while the other uh, spouse worked outside of the home and earned the money, built the retirement funds, um, contributed to the investment accounts, did those kinds of things. So now what happens with some of these more complex assets? And what does this mean in terms of spousal support? Will the spouse that's in the home be able to um, uh, create uh, the kinds of skill sets that they can go out and earn a living this later at this later stage in life? Or will the spousal support be something that they need to continue on? Um, what does this look like for each of the parties? If the, the parties owned a business, if it was their own business, that becomes even more complex because now we're talking about business valuations and how do you divide those assets? Does it get sold? What if the couple worked in the business together? Um, how will that be handled going forward? So we often see much more um, intricate financial issues uh, that we have to deal with. 
Um, in some cases, we see some concerns about, you know, did one of the did the spouses both understand the complexity of their financial um, status, or is one spouse in the dark? Do they not even really know what they have, and is there a concern that there are at, that one of the parties isn't being forthright with what the assets are that have to be divided? Um, so all of those things have to be looked at um, so that we can get to the other side of the divorce, and so each party knows what is it going to look like post-divorce in their life. And courts have would like to see people attempt to maintain the lifestyle they had in the marriage, but we all know that doesn't that doesn't really work when you're cutting everything in half, right? At in best case scenario. Um, so those can be some of the biggest issues we see and have to focus on. There are certain other issues that are a little different. Um, we see research has shown us that women tend to stay uh, more connected with the adult children than the men do post-divorce and gray divorces, which is very interesting. Uh, there's even some research that says because of that trend, uh, they are seeing a, a higher incidence of uh, what they call family-less residents of nursing homes, things like that, because they have you know, strayed so much from the children. Um, that happens most often if the male individual remarries post-divorce. So there's some interesting family dynamics that we see happening in these gray divorces as well. Again, these are just, you know, this isn't every, every time a gray divorce happens, but there are some trends that can be concerning uh, when you look at what happens to the individuals in these divorces. Kelly, thank you so much for sharing that. And one of the things that I really love about your background and expertise is you're talking about gray divorce, but then you also talk about um, guardianship and long-term care. Many people, when they were married, didn't really believe they needed to have a plan for long-term care. Like, oh, she's going to take care of me, or he's going to take care of me. But if anything, this becomes even more important and then remarriage. So thank you for pointing that out now. Um, I know you had been a single mother to three children, and then you made a career change to become a lawyer. So what lessons have you learned from that? And how um, do you apply that to your work as a financial advisor? Right, right. It's really interesting the way you look at your life and how so many things that happen tie together as you make changes later and feed into that experience. So I was the single mother of three children. My sister uh, became very ill, and I uh, became the guardian of her three small children uh, in the early 90s. And by 2008, I had to decide what direction I wanted to take my career in, and that's when I decided to make this midlife career change. The children were high school and college age, and so it was a point at which I could do that. Um, and I decided to go to law school and just happened to be sitting next to students the age of my children, right? They were these millennials and I was the age of their mom, right? Sitting in these classes. And what was amazing to me is the optimism and the uh, com the sense of community and charity that these younger people had that I was in school and class with. And I felt like, you know, all these stereotypes and messages that you hear, um, it was completely contrary. These were um, really inspiring individuals and made me have this really incredible sense of what the future will be in the hands of these remarkable young people um, that were my colleagues and, and today are my colleagues. And um, so that was was incredible. And, and I went to law school and graduated in 2011, which was the worst year in the history of attorneys because the market had gone. And, and uh, I opened my own law practice and quickly became a guardian ad litem. 
And I was able to then impact um, lives uh, through guardianship. I was appointed to handle the um, both the disabled and all of the guardianships for the elderly in our county. I handled custody and placement cases for minor children and cases of neglect and abuse in juvenile court. And so understanding the dynamics of families, the challenges of families uh, in all walks of life uh, as I came across them was incredibly valuable. One of the things that became very apparent to me quickly is how incredibly difficult it is when people don't engage in getting their estate planning in order. Simple things like powers of attorney for healthcare, power of attorneys for finance can help avoid the entire guardianship uh, proceeding. And that saves a lot of expense, a lot of pain on the family and make sure that the individual's choices are recognized by the court, if at all possible. And so understanding the power of estate planning and how important it is for families before they end up in court having to need it was really a, a critical lesson and has allowed me to really navigate with clients and help them understand why this is an important thing to do. Um, and an important thing for their adult children. Your children turn 18, the first present ought to be power of attorney for healthcare, power of attorney for finance. These are incredibly important documents in our life. Uh, and so that was, was really important. It also, because I was able to be exposed to so many different family issues. And I've always known families are complex. They deal with lots of issues, good and bad. And to be able to create a safe space for a client to come in and share what their biggest concerns are and in, an, in a non-judgmental way, because families, no family is perfect. And having financial advisors, the right trusted advisors help you deal with some of those circumstances can give you a great sense of peace. Um, if it's a disabled child, knowing what will uh, take effect after you pass so that they're protected. If you're caring for elderly parents, which so many of us uh, will find ourselves doing, um, to know that you can give them the, the right care and protect them from uh, being exploited is, is really critical. Uh, to be able to recognize that maybe a child has uh, a dependency that you wanna make sure isn't fueled by an inheritance. All of those issues are really important and people can be concerned about wanting to share those. And if you can make them feel comfortable, say, hey, it's about how we handle those issues. And I want you to feel good that, th that we can have a plan and do our best to help you and your family. I think that's really important. Oh, that's beautiful. It is important. I mean, these are difficult topics to discuss and you're helping people engage in what I call courageous conversations. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and in some cases, you know, People are very well-meaning, but as we start our careers, especially today and especially women, we're very busy, right? You, you're, you're working. You may be managing children, managing a profession, helping parents, and sometimes the financial piece of it, you just hope it's on autopilot. You just hope you're putting in enough and, and it's okay. But if you get that team in place early, you can focus on those passions and know that you're going to have a plan and a path long-term. And I think sometimes uh, when people just graduate from law school or medical school or, or business school, they think, oh my gosh, all I have is a mountain of debt and no money. Why would I even sit and talk about this now? But this is the time to start. This is the time to start the plan so you can see the future because it goes so much faster than we can imagine. Um, you start looking at retirement and go, I, I blinked and here I am and I'm years out. What does that mean for me? 
Hey, there's no time like the present, right? It's never too early. It's never too early. And you never have to feel shame, you know, starting out because you're starting out. You know, we can help you figure out how to deal with that mountain of, of debt, how to manage what you need to manage to be successful in your career and have a future and do things like you know, understand that your children might want to go to college or you may want to help them with a wedding or a home. Who knows what it might be? Um, but the earlier you start, the, the more control and the more choices all of us have. Absolutely. It's not just women, but what do you think are the most common mistakes that people make with their money? And at what age do you think they should be starting to plan? Right, right. And I'm so glad you said that because I tell people all the time, I don't think money problems have a gender. I think it's this poverty of time that really kind of impacts when people pay attention to that and what they do. And I think there's this attitude that if I don't have much now or I have more debt than I have assets that I shouldn't even think about this. And I think it's our job as people in these financial industries to say, hey, I, I want you to feel comfortable knowing you're going to be better off putting it all on paper, even if it's not the fully painted portrait you're going to have at the end. Let's start. Let's understand what you want to have, what your choices are, what's important to you, and let's figure out what where you are. We can help you create a path to do it. And oftentimes, people can do this at little or no cost. You know, you, getting to know your banker, making sure you have an attorney that can draft even the simplest, um, you know, power of attorneys and will to start with. It will change over time, but to start is what's important. Um, and I don't think, like I said, I would have, why well, I did, I've had my, everybody I talk to gets their power of attorney done at age 18, or I'm mad at them. <laughs> so the kids all have it. The nieces all have it. The nephews all have it. I tell my clients, please, please do this. Your attorneys will oftentimes do those at very low cost, um, simple wills, especially with COVID when people found that their adult children, that they didn't have a right to understand what was happening to them in the hospital or, um, you know, that that was kind of a rude awakening for a lot of people who just thought because they were their children, they'd be able to get the information they need. And that's not necessarily true. Really, I think the sooner people start, the better. I certainly think professionals should start right out of their professional school have a plan and and get started with understanding how you're going to manage the debt and what kinds of things you have on the short-term and long-term horizon. And a financial advisor, a banker, an attorney, having those three uh, people in your corner will really help. Amazing. So yes, the best time to start is now and everybody can benefit from planning. So as we, we started talking about gray divorce and now we're winding down, we're going to talk about because this is a component and something that affects all of us, planning for long-term care needs, not just ours, but for others. Can we plan? Like we, we don't know if we're gonna have a long-term event. So how do we go about this? Yeah, that's really incredible, right? The, the what ifs, what if, what if something happens and, and, and we're living longer, right? Especially women, we're living longer. Um, and, and we have to understand what is it gonna mean if there's these events later in life. Long-term care insurance, um, started out pretty reasonable and a lot of people were really thrilled by um, being able to have that and ha it's helped a lot of individuals. Then it became a little expensive, but now there's products again that I think are really helpful for people in terms of long care and 
uh, long-term care insurance and talking to one of your insurance providers about what those options are. And of course, the younger, the better, right? The earlier you get started on this, the more economical it can be. And I think things like that are really important things to explore in terms of long-term care. But of course, also part of that is having the plan early, understanding what are your assets? What is your debt? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be able to um, anticipate in the future? Um, and a lot of people will do a great job of that and they'll have their long-term care insurance and they'll have done a great job of working and saving and acquiring the assets. And then they get to retirement. One of the other things they have to think about is what does retirement mean? what is their purpose in retirement? Is it just going to doctor's appointments? Because that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but if you have purpose in retirement, you can do a lot, I think, for your health, for your well-being. Um, I think it's really something that's an important discussion to have with clients as well. What does this mean when you retire? Uh, what do you want to do? Is it travel? Is it spend time with the grandkids? Again, judgment-free zone, right? Because we all have different things that we're passionate about. But the one thing that has proven to be really detrimental is people who don't have a plan at all and everything stops. Their identity from the workforce, um, the connections they had in the work environment, and that's not good. It's not good to just stop and then that's where we see some of the health issues and, you know, and that doesn't tend to be a really positive retirement experience. And all of these, as you said before, courageous conversations because we care about our, our clients and they've worked so hard. You want them to have a vibrant and long retirement. I mean, this is a reward, right? This is a long uh, time of working and building. You should be able to have the, the experiences that you want to have in retirement. Absolutely. I mean, I think we have to, I've said this, we have to test drive retirement. We have to find what works for you. So Kelly, I've so enjoyed this conversation. How can people learn more about you and your work? I am on LinkedIn. I'm, you can find out more about me at johnsonfinancialgroup.com. We have a website as well. Um, and we just love being able to help people through all these stages of life. Well, thank you so much. Now back to you, Hope. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. Hello. Kelly, you were great. That was just really fabulous and really helpful, I think, to so many people um, about gray divorce. I want to learn so much more. So we'll talk a little bit more about how we can get your word out a little bit through our channels. But today is part one of a two-part series this week. We're going to switch from gray divorce to college prep with tomorrow's guest, Tuesday at 4.15 p.m. Eastern with Vicki Volwider. So Brita, tell us a little bit about her. So Vicki is the founder of College Financial Prep. She is gonna talk about how we can plan for college regardless of our relationship status. So if we're married, separated, divorced, widowed, what we can do and what steps we can do to help our children plan for college. Not just how to get into college, but how to pay for college. Right. Mission critical, right? All the phases of life. I love it here on Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, founder of Incandescent with Rita and fabulous Kelly Mold. Thank you very, very much for your time, ladies. And everyone who's watching us on Facebook Live and on Incandescent Radio and TV, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being part of our Incandescent Radio and TV family. This is Hope Katz Gibbs, founder of Incandescent Incorporated, the PR and publishing company for women entrepreneurs. 
Our incandescent radio and TV shows are brought to you by our advertisers and clients. Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro, brings us 15 minutes of tips every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, where you'll meet experts who are helping us flex our financial muscles. Find all of the episodes at margaritachang.com. You'll also meet intuitive psychotherapist Kara Keem, who interviews therapists and other intuitive guides from around the world. Learn more at karakeen.com. And you're going to love social justice expert Karen Hanrahan, CEO of the San Francisco-based Glide Memorial Foundation. She bridges the gap from local impact to global change on her thought leadership show on Incandescent Radio. Learn more about Karen at karenhanrahan.com. You're also going to love Alina Leal, founder of the radical wellness journaling company, zenitjournals.com. Alina asks, have you tried to journal but found it hard to keep up? Zenit makes it easier to journal for your wellness. With Zenit, you can customize your journal with prompts that speak to you. No more blank pages. Your Zenit is your personalized space to take care of yourself. Website, zenitjournals.com. Feel it, write it, Zenit. You'll also meet amazing Tracy Schott, founder of VoicesForChange.com. Tracy is determined to change the world and end domestic violence. Learn more at VoicesForChange.net. And we are so thrilled to be publishing a book for Angela Mitchell, who is the tech expert of case management. And she's also the founder of this fabulous organization, Kids Code 2. She is determined to teach kids to code computers. Talk about teaching a kid to fish. We invite you to discover and peruse all the Incandescent Incorporated websites, the magazine for women by women about women, incandescentwomen.com. Our health and wellness magazine is beincandescent.com, the business of mind, body, spirit, soul, and heart. Our YouTube channel is incandescent.tv. And you can learn about our PR and book publishing services at incandescent.us. If you'd like to have your own radio and video show, check us out at incandescentradio.com, where you can see what we can do for you. These podcasts are also featured on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Our podcasts are produced by Brandy Wilsker. Our videos are produced by Nelson Benavides. Our website developer is Max Kukoy, and our incandescent illustrator and designer is Michael Glenwood Gibbs. If you'd like to learn more, please send me an email, hope at hopegibbs.com. Here is to your incredible, indelible incandescent success. Much love and many thanks. <laughs>